Welcome to the Two Strangers, One NFT Podcast. I'm Casey Rito. I'm Omega. How you doing today, Omega? I'm good. I'm very good. Although it's extremely windy here in the United Kingdom today. Mm-hmm. Uh, my brand new trees seem to be falling over, so I'll have to be sick <laughs> those into the ground tomorrow. But other yeah. than that, we're all hunky-dory. Yeah, even with the stakes on the ground, it's all still bending over. <laughs> <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. How's things oh. with you? Oh, dude, I'm just recovering from that Threads launch. It's been a crazy week. I can't believe it's only been a week. But just with the crazy dopamine rushes, all the conversations, meeting all these cool people, seeing all this cool stuff they do, having to deal with all the uh, uh, Facebook uh, suspensions. (laughs) (laughs) I created a shell account for the uh, Instagram. um, so So the Threads people can't just see all my friends and family and whatnot. But I guess there's some weird interplay of going to my main account and then switching to threads and interacting on threads. And I just got basically two accounts suspended, one after the other. And so between the two accounts, I have like over a thousand followers. But right now they're at each at like 600 each. But uh, a little demotivated. I haven't haven't managed to get banned yet, but I'm sure my time will come. But uh, was that because of your race for a thousand dudes? Uh, probably that. I mean, I wasn't doing that thing. I wasn't, I was actually doing a balance of like actual genuine conversations and a little bit of, uh, engagement with the algorithm and just following a thousand dudes. It was a very effective strategy, but, but I ended up getting sucked into a lot of combos and the memes and the jokes. Um, but I think it was just being logged into a different Instagram account and then interacting with threads through something that you're not logged in on Instagram. I'm not sure, but, uh, yeah, that's pretty much what my past week has been. <laughs> just solely that, and now my brain's fried, as if I just went through some crazy overdose drug binge or something. <laughs> yeah, there's something something about threads that that hooks you in. I've uh, when when I hit a thousand dudes, as in I I, I think I've got about thirteen hundred followers now. I was like, right, okay, we can step back a little bit. I don't need to race to two thousand followers or, or anything like that. Um, yeah, but having some nice conversations and, and bits and pieces with, with people, but not everyone's moved over. There's there's a, a few people I follow on Twitter that don't seem to be making the move. Um, yeah, so I'm wondering when the peer pressure will happen. Yeah, it might happen one day. It might not. Either way, I, I'm definitely enjoying the conversations I'm having on there. Um, I wasn't expecting because I'm not a huge fan of short form type stuff, but I'm really enjoying it. it feels like a giant Discord room pre mint when everyone's all hyped and excited and sharing cool stories and ideas. And uh, I ended up having some really interesting conversations about with uh, kind of normal people who are not in the crypto space, um, just kind of talking about just general, where do I start? You know, what is crypto? What's an NFT? And I figured that might be a good segue for us to just do an episode, just doing kind of a rundown on what NFTs really are and why is it so hyped? What's with all these, you know, monkey and random cartoon pictures on people's profiles, like all these PFPs? Um, because I guess it might be the first time some people are interacting with genuine Web3 crypto space people. Yeah, absolutely. This probably should have been episode one. What is an NFT? Yeah, yeah it probably <laughs> should be. That's in the name, isn't it? <laughs> just you just want NFT and we don't even talk about NFTs. <laughs> but yeah, uh, probably a good, a good start for us just to kind of, for people who are unfamiliar with it, what is an NFT? What's it all about? You know, what are they used for? all that fun stuff. Yeah, man, absolutely. It sounds like a plan. So, I mean, let, let, let's, let's directly answer the, the question, right? So what is a, 
and NFTs. So an NFT is a non-fungible token, one of the harder words I find to spell in the English language, fungible. Um, and they're assets that have been tokenized, right? And, and they're all, all set on the blockchain. Um, so they're all assigned unique identification codes and there's metadata that, that sits behind them that distinguishes them from, from everything else. And the key thing really of an NFT versus um, kind of your traditional crypto token is that a crypto token is not unique. Um, one coin truly is one coin. One Bitcoin is the same as the next Bitcoin. Um, mm-hmm. Whereas if you have an NFT, then it might look the same, but the actual uh, kind of metadata and, and stuff that sits behind it means my NFT was, is going to be completely different to, to your NFT in, in that regard, and it cannot be recreated um, like it like it can a, a token, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then one thing we commonly see, uh, at least over the past like two or three years, is a lot of these NFTs were basically made in collections, and a lot of artwork was gone gone into a bunch of them. Start off with a bunch of very basic ones. I think like the CryptoPunks was just the eight bit type artwork, but it ends up basically being used to create these kind of powerhouse social groups of business people, investors, and crypto junkies hanging around on discords. And a lot of cool technology was embedded within these NFTs as well. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, it was, it really was digital artwork. Um, I, I think was kind of the, the original intent for, for NFTs. Cause the, the cool thing about NFTs and, and it's evolved slightly over, over the last couple of years is that the premise behind them is if you have a piece of art and you sell it, then you as the seller get the fees or, or sorry, you as the creator of that art only get the fees once. And I'm talking a real piece of art here that, that's hung on your wall. The difference with an NFT is that. Um, a retainer for the person who created the art um, is there. So every single time this this NFT is sold, the original artist and, and creator of that NFT gets a percentage fee of that new sale price. So mm-hmm. if I sold something for $1,000 and there was a 5% fee, then they get 5% of that. If in six months' time, that item was now worth a million dollars, which we have seen examples of those, then they would get 5% of that million dollars. So the NFT space really kind of was created around this premise of ongoing rewards for for artists and, and creators of NFTs. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, oh, that yeah. has changed, changed slightly. And there's Magic Eden, who is one of the marketplaces for, for NFTs, um, rejigged things and, and allowed people to not pay those fees, which I think was a little bit odd because obviously people are choosing not to pay the fees because it saves you 5%, 10% or whatever they, they set the artist fees to for mm-hmm. that collection. Um, but yeah, so that, that was kind of the the original NFTs that, that were there. Yeah, yeah. It was a huge boon for digital artists, right? Because, I mean, if you're a digital artist, you create something and then you post it on the internet. I mean, there's really nothing stopping people from just copy pasting it and effectively stealing it. So you'd have to create these watermarks on all your digital artwork and all this stuff. And then you run into the problem of once you sell it, it's just one and done. Um, so the NFTs definitely help solve a ton of problems for that. So you can create at least what I, I saw very often. A lot of uh, artists got really famous very quickly over the past few years is, you know, you can have a generative collection where you basically create um, uh, these, these sections. So you say you have the monkey character 
and just create little pieces uh, of artwork to go onto this little monkey piece. And then you can generate a, a thousand different unique images through a randomizer, giving each trait a percentage. And so you effectively have this 1000 NFT art collection. And if it pops off and it gets traded a ton and you as an artist have 3% royalties or 5% royalties, uh, each sale goes straight into your crypto wallet and you don't even have to work on sales. You don't have to be doing those fancy wine and dine events. It's just people love the collection for what it does. They love it for the artwork and it's all yours and you don't have to worry about people stealing it because it's on the blockchain. So you don't have to stress about watermarks or anything like that. And it's just like a huge, huge uh, use case for artists alone. And I know those were uh, a pretty heavy crowd that I was interacting with on threads. They're very curious about how do I get my digital artwork onto the blockchain? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I think it was really, really interesting because there was kind of two stages to, to the NFTs in, in the art kind of quote unquote, quote phase. So, I mean, the first NFT, it, it was was around long before this this kind of NFT boom, what, in 2021 now. So the first one was thrown on by Kevin McCoy in 2014. Um, I think the, the blockchain was called Namecoin, um, mm-hmm. which then minted and, and sold in 2021 on, on Ethereum. So the people knew what NFTs were um, in, in 2014, but, yeah, it really only kicked off in, in 2021 when these digital artists like you've referenced, people such as Beeple, who were doing lots and lots of digital art suddenly latched onto these and and they bought it to the masses. So um, the Beeple example was a collage of um, kind of 5,000 days of his work. So the the special thing about Beeple is every single day he creates a new piece of art and uploads it. And this was all of his art in a single collage. And and that actually sold for $69 million. God, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's just crazy to think about how much money can go into this space. And that's immediately makes me think of a like Board 8 Yacht Club. And I think I saw a post earlier of a, I think a zombie crypto punk just selling for a million dollars just this morning. Yeah, and I saw I, I saw that. It was that was pretty nuts. Pretty yeah. pretty nuts. And that that kind of leans us onto the the stage two of the NFT, as in kind of what you alluded to earlier about these unique collections of of ten thousand. So. Um, probably around May, June time of, of 2021, if my memory serves correct, um, Solana kind of took the the NFT market by storm. I, I would say so. It was all it was kind of there on on Ethereum with OpenSea and, and those guys. But the Solana marketplace really blew it up, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, and these are the ones that I would describe as the loot boxes. Um, mm-hmm. in, a, in a roundabout way, like in, in the gaming space where you press the button, are you going to get a legendary, a mythic, are you going to get a common? Um, yeah. One of those sorts of things. So it plays that dopamine rush of I'll pay you $10 or $50, or at the time, actually, these things were, were minting um, for like $250 a, a roll of the dice, as it were. And then if you're lucky enough, then you get a super rare one. Um, which, which people would sell uh, for enormous amounts of money. Like you said, these things have been selling for for millions. So some of these $10, $10 million or, or, or so. Um, and when the Solana ones first came out, that was the best time for, for I think everyone because there was such a small amount of collections. They were highly traded. It was highly profitable. Um, mm-hmm. But it was all equally in its, in its infancy. 
Yeah, um, and I think one of the one of the reasons why the Solana boomed because then one of the issues that so Ethereum was I guess you could say the front runner as far as NFTs goes. First ones with the collection, most popular network. A lot of people had Ethereum stored up, so there's a lot of money in the space immediately. Uh, but one of the issues with it was the gas fees. So if you interact with the Ethereum blockchain, you generally have to spend, you know, just a questionable like of huge varying range just to make any transaction happen anywhere 50 bucks 150 bucks what have you depending on the value of ethereum at the time but when solana came out and was starting to be used for nfts the way the solana blockchain works is it costs almost nothing like fractions upon fractions of a penny to do every transaction and it's way faster or was way faster than ethereum i think it still is and ethereum had to go back and make a bunch of changes to catch up with solana's performance but that took off uh, for having Solana being just like the almost slot machine effect when it came to minting mm. NFTs. Oh, yeah. I mean, S- Solana is, well, even to this day, a few years later, is still faster than Ethereum in, in my mind, and it's certainly a heck of a lot cheaper. I mean, Similar kind of your, your example, <laughs> again, like you could be minting some, and we're throwing out terminology here without explaining it. So minting is the mm. act of, rolling for an nft and then you putting it onto the blockchain through an automated process and you pay a fee for that so the creator would say it's a hundred dollars five hundred dollars or whatever it would be so that's what 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 minting is Mm -hmm. but yeah so ethereum you could mint something for a hundred dollars and it costs you seventy dollars in gas fees Mm -hmm. or if it happened to be a different time of day where it wasn't so popular it could only cost you ten dollars in gas fees which had a massive, massive impact on the amount of people that could actually afford kind of the barrier of entry to NFT minting through mm-hmm. Ethereum was to people with, with with bags of cash ultimately, where like you said, Solana is is pennies <laughs> kind of mm-hmm. to, to do things. And um, when Solana first started doing NFTs, I mean, it was balling out like 10,000 transactions a second, maybe even more. I mean, it slowed down mm-hmm. over time. Um, but it meant when you minted something for, for $50, it cost you one. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. Cause one, yeah. Oh, yeah, because one of the issues I had when I was uh, using Ethereum, even just buying Ethereum, say you were short by a little bit, there's an NFT you really wanted to mint, um, and you were just a little bit short of Ethereum, so you'd have to go buy more. But then the, the network is just so clogged that it would cost even more just to buy more ethereum <laughs> and then the minting cost would escalate so here you are waiting till two or three in the morning just so you can mint an nft and or sell one or buy more or what have you versus solana it was just like do you have enough on there all right click mint immediately shows up in your wallet um but yeah oh, we could yeah. talk about the minting process a little bit because yeah we did gloss over because we're so used to it <laughs> but yeah minting um I mean, as far as like for people who are just kind of brand new for it, I mean, if you have a, a monkey JPEG, that's cool artwork, it's just a monkey JPEG up until you bring it into a blockchain. And so when you start the mint process, it puts it onto the Solana blockchain. And that's what makes it non-fungible because now that specific set of JPEGs is unique. It's tied to a certain a wallet. It's tied to a certain owner and it's tied to a certain collection. And there's... You cannot recreate that anywhere else. Even if someone comes up with the exact same JPEGs, what they have to do is they have to mint that through a different ownership wallet. So it becomes very obvious who the original artist of that JPEG was. Yeah, absolutely. Because of the metadata, you can quite easily see that it's part of the 
official collection, um, as it as it were. So it's it's quite hard to fake um, an NFT. I mean, people do try. And unfortunately, mm-hmm. some people have been caught out mm-hmm. where people have minted their own copies of of stuff, and you have to check that when you're trading them, it is actually all of the metadata that you're expecting to see came from the original contract and minting contracts and, and stuff. Um, but I would compare it to anything really in the real world. If you were buying a painting, you'd go through the verification process. It was actually your your whatever painting that you're expecting <laughs> to buy and not a cheap knockoff, right? Yeah. But, it, but it's, also, it's important to point out as well that NFTs don't just have to be JPEGs. Um, mm-hmm. there's, there's lots of examples, um, of people turning tweets into NFTs and they were selling, you can buy NFTs that are clips from the, um, uh, from the basketball of people doing slam dunks or the best clips of the baseball or, or whatever it may be. So you quote unquote own that period of time and, and recording, it becomes yours, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so if somebody wants to, to own the, the home run hit that wins the the whatever mm-hmm. or the touchdown that won the Super Bowl probably Super Bowl. more relevant. Yeah, mm-hmm. then then you can do, and that would probably trade for for a lot of money. Yeah, uh, like if the NFL basically tokenized a significant highlight moment of one of the games and then sells that. I mean, that's you know, as long as they don't make any more of that or keep it to a particular collection, then those NFTs will have value that will forever encapsulate that moment onto the blockchain. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. So it's cool. Like there's there's lots that you can do with with NFTs, and um, I mean, there's we spoke about tokenized asset offerings um, on on a previous podcast, and kind of NFTs and, and tokenized asset offerings are, are similar in a way, but one's digital and one's real world, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so I mean, it could be photography trading cards virtual world so i mean we haven't even mm-hmm. spoken about um the, oh, the, the, the discord use cases yeah um, there's a whole bunch of stuff i mean there's one of the cool most interesting uh, forms of nft that i came across was uh, on the tezos blockchain uh where i came across a, a musician and he would post uh like little 30 second clips of some of his songs uh and then you'd be able to purchase his music through the site using crypto and then you would have basically like i think it would give you access to the full song so you can just go to your little crypto wallet or your little tezos you know wallet library and basically have your own music album there of all the music that you bought knowing you directly supported that musician in a very real way as opposed to just another click on spotify kind of thing yeah absolutely i mean and that's a, that's a really great example i mean if you take any artist in in the world um, and you digitize and that, or they digitize a song. And this is kind of the differential between what's going to have value and what's not. I could make a Michael Jackson song an NFT and then try and sell it, but people know that it's not Michael Jackson that made the NFT or it's not mm-hmm. somebody that's made it official. Mm-hmm. Um, but you could have just recorded a song as an artist, somebody super famous, put that ownership and mint that song onto the blockchain and then as they're moving around the, the, the kind of the various music moguls, when they sell the rights to their songs, they sell the NFT of their song. Mm-hmm. So then they're constantly being paid for their work. I mean, take movies, for example, the script writers that are on strike at the moment, they could NFT buy their scripts and then they mm-hmm. could sell those and, and trade them around and, and that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. uh, 
Yeah, I mean, and then they can also tie those NFTs to particular royalties. So, you know, it could be a thing where whoever owns that music, you know, NFT or that script thing, if it generates X amount of money, then whoever's holding it collects 5% of the royalties of whatever it's making from. And then the original artist collects a 5%, you know, fee as well whenever it gets traded or whenever the uh, royalty distributions are sent out at the end of every month. It's just collecting you revenue over time, every time. Like say it's connected to a Spotify account and then that Spotify fund um, is distributed to all the holders of that song. Say you had 10 of them out there for one particular song that came out. So that pot from Spotify gets sent 10% to each NFT. And then whenever that NFT gets traded and the royalties come in, there's this whole lot that you can do um, once something is turned into a a non-fungible token. Yeah, absolutely. And, and again, like NFTs have evolved over time. Um, I mean, probably the best example of gamifying NFTs was uh, back in November 2017, CryptoKitties, um, which were digital representations of cats with unique identifications on, mm-hmm. on the Ethereum blockchain. You could feed them. They would reproduce among themselves and, and create new offspring with other attributes. So they were kind of the first self-generative um, and I don't mean like AI generative, but kind of like because they bred, you had an NFT that made more NFTs, which you could then sell and trade to people. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, kind of like I mean, a Pokemon kind of thing. <laughs> well, yeah, like, and people spent millions of dollars on on these things to feed and nurture them. It was like a, a blockchain Tamagotchi, if you know that reference. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, yeah. Yeah, I was there to Tamagotchi days. <laughs> yeah, man. So there's... Mm-hmm. There's so many different things and you can stake NFTs. So you block them away and you earn benefits from that or you earn tokens from that. They can give you private access rights to nightclubs if that's the theme of the NFT. Um, I've seen ones with golf club access, um, like alpha group access, um, all sorts of stuff owning an NFT beyond kind of its unique traits. Um, can can do depending on the collection and, and the intent um, of, mm-hmm. of what they were created for. I mean, a lot of people these days use NFTs as, as kind of seed funding round for, for their project. So mm-hmm. rather than just just going, hey, look at my fun collection, trade them like Pokemon card. It's like, yeah, here's some here's a unique collection. And yes, you can trade them for their mythical traits and legendary traits. But actually, we're looking to build this platform that does X, Y, Z. You know, mm-hmm. um, and if they can raise a hundred thousand dollars through the minting of their collection, then then great. And then you can do profit shares for the people that own NFT. Like it's it, it really it's huge. Yeah, it's kind of like a way of getting like a permissionless. Uh, you know, uh, not like not quite GoFundMe. What's the other one called? Kickstarter. It's kind of like a, yeah, yeah. It's often used as like a Kickstarter. So say you got the team, you have a bunch of people really excited about it. Say hey, we're launching an NFT collection. Uh, you guys will each, you know, we're going to distribute 30% of the revenue that our project makes over to you guys, paying it every month or whatever. And then now this team, instead of having to do these corporate loopholes to get an actual corporation, kind of like a stock, like an IPO, um, they could just do it straight through crypto and get the funds that they need to get going. And um, it just becomes like a, a huge breeding ground for a whole bunch of cool new development ideas, startup ideas, new projects. And I, it's like a, I can see just spurring there's like a new age of kind of entrepreneurship just because with the ease to get funding, to get things started. Yeah, it's it's really given people the opportunity to make a lot of really cool 
technology, different ways of investing, um, or, or all of that sort of thing. Because, like you said, you, you no longer have to go to a venture capitalist and, and kind of pitch yeah. yourselves. Actually, it's it's like an open source Kickstarter. Yeah, you don't have to show up to Shark Tank and get grilled by Mark Cuban just to get a few bucks to make your app a stand, you know? You just <laughs> hit up your friends, go onto a few discords, send a few tweets like, hey, you know, this is what we're trying to do. This is what we're all about. Uh, if you want to be part of it, come come into one of the NFTs, part of our collection. Come join our Discord. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So, for, so for somebody that's never traded with NFTs, talk me through the process of of kind of I don't know, getting your cryptocurrency, kind of what you need. Do you need a wallet or something? And then where on earth would I buy these things? Yeah. So actually, yeah, I could just talk about kind of how I started and what got through all this. So it was somewhere like the 2021. So about what, two years ago now, I think I'm at my two year mark of being in NFT specifically. But I remember just being in the crypto space and just kind of rolling around on YouTube and Twitter and whatnot and just coming across like, oh, we're launching an NFT project. I'm like, this is interesting. I go onto the website and they got all these details of what they're trying to do. Hey, Mint starts in three days. So I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And they were super helpful with the onboarding. This is my first project um, that I got. And I went to, I created a Discord account, uh, which is, you know, I, I think just Google what Discord is if you don't know what it is yet. Um, went into the room. They had a bunch of links. They said, here, go here to get your crypto wallet. And at the time it was the, the Phantom wallet. Because uh, my first uh, NFT was in Solana, uh, created super quick and easy. Create a Phantom wallet, sent some of my Solana over to that crypto wallet, and when it came mint day, I just went to their website uh, through the link on their Discord, and I hit the mint button. And I still remember what it looked like that first <laughs> NFT that I generated, and it did the little scrolling wheel. The Solana left my wallet, and then in came this NFT just almost immediately. And I was like, this is yours now. And then I was like, ooh, I want one with rare traits though. So I hit that mint button a couple more times. And then now I had like seven NFTs in my wallet and all the Solana was gone. And uh, after the mint process is done, uh, once everything is sold out of the mint collection or um, say that they said, all right, we're actually gonna, momentum is dying. We're gonna cut the mint now. This, our collection is now only 3000 NFTs instead of the original 5,000. Now it gets put onto what's called a secondary exchange or a public exchange on the Solana blockchain. Magic Eden is kind of the go-to, the kind of the big boys on the block. So most NFT collections you'll find on Magic Eden. And from there, it's just kind of a free game of if you want to sell it, you can sell it at any price that you want to. No one's stopping you. Uh, if you want to buy more, you can buy more. No one's stopping you. You just have to connect their phantom wallet to Magic Eden website. And from there, it's pretty much whatever you want to do. And then with those NFTs, you know, it depends on how they, the owners and the developers coded that NFT collection. They might have some royalties attached to it. They might have some benefits attached to it. They might give you access to some special gated channels within the Discord server. So you might go into any NFT collection, go to their Discord, and you're only going to see a fraction of what's really there. But once you have your NFT in your wallet, and you integrate that wallet to the Discord, suddenly the room opens up about five, 10 minutes later, and you see all these other channels that everyone's interacting with. Um, and so that's kind of, I guess, a cursory overview, of at least my first from complete fresh to selling NFTs for profit on Magic Eden. 
Yeah, man, that's cool. Makes it nice and easy to to understand. I think it's interesting because I can't even remember the name of the marketplace that was originally around for Solana because Magic Egan is actually reasonably new, like only 12 months old or or something. Yeah, I think it was Um, Solana Art. Or Alpha Solanart, yeah, or Solanart Solanart or something, something like Um, that, which is now hot garbage. It's it's barely Mm -hmm. used. Yeah, (laughs) and there was a there was a there was another one as well, which was which was completing. Do you remember what your first NFT was that you minted? Oh, honestly, I forget. It was just so kind of random. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, so I I can't quite remember. So I, I um, was very, very lucky that I, I think DJ Apes was the first Solana entity. That's a and good I managed. One. I managed to get in on that, and this was when the minting process used to break all the time. Like people would accidentally be DDoSing all the servers. The infrastructure wasn't quite there, and I think it took four days for them to finally get it that you could actually mint these these monkey JPEGs, mm-hmm. um, kind of thing, and. I, mean, I think I managed to get 12 of them Ooh, at the time. That's how um, that was when things were good to be in. <laughs> things were really good. So, I mean, Solana was probably like $100 at the time, maybe a little bit less. Managed to grab myself 12 of them. Um, and then, yeah, like I wish I was still, wish I was holding them for a little bit longer because I was just instantly trading these things, had some rare ones. And this is when you could, you were selling stuff within seconds of listing mm-hmm. on the on the marketplaces. There was some real, real kind of, hype around this this sort of thing um and then yeah it was kind of each day a new mint was coming out and it was kind of you could print money um you could just go to the next one you knew it was going to sell out you would double or triple your profits and then then move on mm-hmm. um, i think the best oh, yeah. one and, and we kind of talk i i'm changing subject a little bit but it's mm-hmm. always funny kind of that looking back on what could have been um so mm-hmm. a good friend of mine dj an art dealer um i think at one point he had something like 30 or 50 smbs oh when they could only be traded through discord and i remember him showing me like oh i've got this one with a lucky hat or something like that he's like oh, i'm selling them for this and this and this oh. and for those that are new to the space i mean smbs were selling for hundreds of thousands of dollars yes and he was none the wiser right but he kind of traded them all away for, for a fraction of that what it could have cost been. But it could oh, have been yeah. a millionaire kind of twice over if he managed to hold them on. But Yeah, um, and then I guess that just kind of segues a little bit into just kind of the ecosystems of, of all these blockchains because, I mean, they're all just collections of people. And so you have all these projects that kind of turn to these kind of almost Illuminati business powerhouses. And I know when I came to this space, the SMBs were basically the top dogs creating all these different awesome projects, generating tons of revenue, Lots of big people with big names and big bags just hanging out casually in a Discord, sending each other memes and jokes. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's so weird when you think about it. Like, I think anyone that was in NFTs at the start, I mean, it was no secret you you probably all sat on a hundred thousand dollars quite comfortably of, of NFTs. I know mm-hmm. um, it was kind of at my peak. Not that I have this money now because it all disappears and, and stuff. If you don't yeah. trade it quick enough, like I was probably sat on a good couple of million dollars worth of of NFTs at one point with Genesis and Shadowy Coders. Oh and, yeah, um, all of all of those cool guys that were, were floating around. But yeah, you're talking to people that it's like a room full of millionaires, hypothetical millionaires, all just memeing each other and and mm-hmm. driving hype and, and bits. It's a really 
yeah. really fun and interesting space to be part of. Yeah, it makes you kind of rethink just kind of how money works and what money is and just what networking really is. It's, it's not so much of going to these, you know, awkward, sweaty events with a bunch of strangers all showing their business cards versus just hanging out and making jokes with people, playing games and just getting to know each other casually. And then suddenly one day, one of them says, hey, I'm trying to do this. I'm looking for this kind of person. And you say, oh, I'm actually looking to do the same. And boom, now you suddenly have this kind of business partnership with someone you've been hanging out with, just chilling for a few days. <laughs> you know, it's it definitely. Yeah, it's, it's cool, man. I mean, it, it happened to me um, kind of with the with the mystical guys and the stuff. I mean, I've known them now for for well over a year, year and a half and, and kind of helped out with projects I've kind of been moderators of various projects. I've been kind of advisors to a couple of projects, how I even try to start my own, um, you know, kind of mm-hmm. probably a little bit too late into into the gold rush. But then, yeah, yeah lots of, hey, we, we met through, through yeah. this world. Right, that's how we did um, it. it, was is the exact same way that I just explained. It's just like <laughs> other people connecting you to other people as well, you know. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I, mean, I think that's the crazy part of it too. Is like there's so much that goes on to creating an NFT collection, maintaining it. You know, its use case, its projects that it's uh, trying to build. That you kind of end up accidentally stumbling into a kind of a career into Web three and NFT and crypto space just through osmosis. You know, like it's you know, I, I can easily see it being. You know, everyone wants to have their part time, set your own schedule, remote work job, and it's like, well just getting into NFTs and crypto and you've got it right there. You can make so much money and get hired for different jobs fairly easily and quickly if you have a good reputation. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think the possibilities are limitless. It's changed a lot of people's lives for the better, some people for, for the worse. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, I've seen some of the bad things. Yeah, <laughs> I've seen a lot of good things too. It's a, it's, it truly is or was the, the Wild West. So, um, again, for people that are not familiar with the NFT space, but even kind of the, the veterans like us, I mean, what are some of the things people should look out for to avoid being scammed? Yes, scams are definitely a huge problem. That's actually exactly why I left the space was you get a whole bunch of people hyping up a huge event. They get bots in their Discord, makes it seem like real people. They inflate their numbers artificially. Um, I, I've got my own kind of red flags um first of all the first one being just like i kind of stopped doing the mitten flip game (laughs) so i could just avoid scams that's the easiest one is just to get to know the people who you're working with get to know the people who are running the projects um that also gets into the twitter game that i hated which is people will just kind of uh you know, flame or make lies about other people just because they have the similar project. It's almost like a medieval guild competition in some ways, yeah. of ruining other people's reputations just so your project has a better chance of succeeding. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so def- definitely kind of doing your own research. Yes, on, on kind of the the project teams. Are they docs? Do they are they not docs? Is a is a good one. Mm-hmm. I wouldn't necessarily say everyone has to be docs, but I think it certainly helps if you if you can put a face to a name and there's repercussions, should they run away with all, all of the money and, and, and bits and pieces for sure. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Um, what kind of tactics are they using to promote their projects? Um, you know, what, yeah. what, what they're saying, what they're talking about, their general vibe and ethics. 
Yeah, absolutely. And and then from a technological standpoint, I mean, there's a couple of things that you should never do or you, you, you should do. So if you're minting something fresh, you should always move your funds into a new wallet where none of your other crypto and NFTs are because mm-hmm. there's something called a vacuum mint um, where you approve the transaction and it removes everything from your wallet, which is always quite scary. And yes. that was happening quite a lot. Um, so we always recommend moving just the funds you need to mint yes. into a separate wallet. So if it, that does happen, you only lose a couple hundred bucks rather than mm-hmm. everything. Yes, um, always so- have a burner wallet. I call it a burner slash interface wallet. Always have yeah. it. I don't let any other website touch any wallets except for that burner wallet. It yeah, can absolutely. Help it. Um, another simple one is don't have auto-approved transactions turned on. Um, I don't even know if that's even functionality within Phantom or the wallets anymore, but that used to be a big thing just to save you when you're doing big mints. If you're minting like a hundred of something, you mm-hmm. would just tick auto approve. So you just spam that mint button. Um, yes. And then finally remove access to your wallet. So you can go into the, the wallet and look at who has kind of transaction rights against it. And you can just remove all of those rights against them. So, you know, nobody has access to Yes, that's to, huge. To your wallet whatsoever. That's, it's another good one. Yeah, another um, one that happens is sometimes you get these uh, random NFTs that get sent to your wallet out of nowhere, and you're like, oh, what's this? And you kind of click on it. Sometimes there's a link to them, and don't trust any links that are attached to any NFT unless it's specifically stated in the original owner's thing that, yes, this link goes to this for this purpose. Otherwise, more often than not, they're just scams to a link website trying to trick you to drain your wallet as well. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And that's a big one. I hadn't thought of that. So it's so great for calling it out. I mean, just looking at my wallet now, I mean, there's and Phantom's got better at identifying them on your behalf and they kind of separate them out slightly of, of kind of unknown collections. But I remember I got one um, that looked like Clanosaurs airdrop. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, oh, that's, that's cool. And then suddenly the cybersecurity person in me went, oh, don't click this. Let's double check mm-hmm. with somebody I know in, in the community. So I'm friends with the community lead over there. And I was like, is this a real thing? And he was like, absolutely not. No, we've been made aware that this has been airdropped to people, but it's nothing to do with us. Don't click it. Mm-hmm. Um, but it looked legit, right? Oh, so yeah. if in doubt, go back to the original community, take a screenshot of it and say, guys, is are we expecting this? Is this legit? Mm-hmm. Um, and if it seems too good to be true, it probably is. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I had uh, yeah. one where I was like, click this so you can upgrade your, uh, you know, frog to version two. And then you look, it's like, oh, well, they have a version three. Mine's only version one. It would make sense for there to be a version two, right? And you go and then, nope, it's uh, it, it's, it's a complete scam. <laughs> All I got to do yeah. is send it to the Discord real quick, the original community and say, hey, is this a scam? Yep, it is. All right. Ignore it. <laughs> Get rid of it. Don't touch it. Yeah, absolutely. But um. Yeah, so I mean, I think there's some some really high level ways to to protect yourself when trading NFTs or crypto in in general, really. But mm-hmm. I think it's just keep your due diligence around. Almost think the worst of of everybody. So like, disable your DMs in Discord so nobody can send you random links and spam. Mm-hmm. Double check the person you're speaking to is actually the person you are speaking to. Um, yes, and and all of those sorts of things, which which you can do in Discord by visiting the Discord channel that you're in, finding them in the online list, and then viewing their profile through that way and and, and things. So yeah, it is Honestly, important. Yeah, 
Okay. Yeah. Honestly, we could probably even do a whole episode just on crypto and NFT security, Web three security in general, because there's there's a lot to be learned from uh, trial and error, from watching other people's mistakes. Um, but the good news is that as time goes on, the space is slowly getting cleaned up. Uh, people are becoming a little wiser. Uh, the people who are bad actors end up getting uh, pointed out and uh, getting arrested. We're seeing a lot of arrests yeah. <laughs> happening, yeah. which is a good Probably sign. Right. It's definitely a space where good regulation will be a good thing to have. Um, in the meantime, we're kind of just all out there looking out after each other, making sure we're not doing anything stupid, giving each other the best pro tips as we can. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, yeah, like the, uh, a sc- about the scammers podcast might might not go amiss. Mm-hmm. So let, 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 let's yeah. summarize this up. So yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're already at what is, what, what is the t- <laughs> TLDR for, for NFTs? So an NFT stands for a non-fungible token, a cryptographic asset on a blockchain with unique identification codes and metadata that distinguishes them from one another. They can be traded um, on, on third-party marketplaces like Magic Eden. Um, you saw them in a wallet. Phantom is a, is a good one. Um, and they're typically found in collections of thousands with random traits and stuff. Um, but it can be things like photography, sports, trading cards, mm-hmm. um, virtual worlds, like metaverses and, and collectibles, domain names, music. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, so they can be the, tied together with a smart contract as well. So there's a whole slot you can do with it, providing special access and secret special rooms within discords, providing royalties, um, plenty of other options, whatever your mind can think of that the smart contract can do, can be done with NFTs. Yeah, man. So there's the summary. That's that's what it is. If you didn't want to listen to anything and you only wanted to find out what it was, this last one minute of the whole 40-odd minute podcast is, yeah. is all you need to listen to. That's all you do. Yeah, <laughs> just need to skip all the way to minute 41 and you'll get the TLDR. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's probably good to summarize anyway because we definitely went through a lot and I know we could easily keep going for another two hours talking about NFTs in general and our stories, but I'm sure we'll spread those out over time in the coming episodes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely, man. No, but it's, yeah. it's been good for sure. And we'll have to have a think of what we're going to do next week. Yeah, exactly. I think so. All right. Well, it's been a good episode. Good chatting with you. And hopefully uh, if you're listening and you're brand new to the crypto and NFT space, hopefully you got a really good safe snapshot to begin with. And I'm sure there's plenty of researchers out there to continue your own research. But I guess the bottom line is always do your own research. Don't always trust people and find people that you can trust and stick close to them. <laughs> yeah, man. Sounds good. Sounds good. Cool. Let's get the outro music going. Yes, Let's get yes. out of here. Hopefully the AI doesn't cut this one away. Hopefully as we talk over it, it'll be fine. I've been your co-host, Quesarito. You've been listening and I've been to Omega. You've been listening to the Two Strangers One Empty Podcast. Thanks for listening and uh, we'll see you all next week. Peace out.